and just move our little uh, studio over towards you a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> um, so what are we talking about today? Today we're going to talk about the uh, the Affordable Care Act, a.k.a. ACA, Which a.k.a. I, nobody Obama really calls Care. it that, do they? The, the ACA? ACA? Uh, I feel like public health people do. Okay. But uh, you probably know it as Obamacare. Obamacare, yeah. Which is hilarious in itself, but... Obamacare. Yeah, it is pretty hilarious. And that was used as, like, trying supposed to be, like, kind of insulting, right? I think it was... By the, by the right? I think it originally was, but then... It was embraced. He embraced it and was like, yeah, this is... Yes, this is, this is I do care. Case. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I care. So... You want to talk a little bit about the basics? No, I don't, but I will. Okay. Yeah. So, Obamacare, you know, it's one of those topics that everybody has an opinion on, but I don't feel like people really, like, fully understand what it is. Agreed. And it's quite complicated, as we were... It's very complicated. ...discussing before. I think the actual document is, like, thousands of pages. Thousands of pages... Neither of us have read any of it, no. I don't think. We don't need the original source documents, no. But uh, we sort of get the basics, and um, if anybody out there is wants more or has a better uh, set of skills <laughs> than we do, has a better understanding, you can email us, as always, at poundofcurepodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. We, we've been really enjoying your emails. Yeah. Keep, it, keep them coming. Keep them coming. All right, so the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, ACA. Um, was enacted 2010. Enacted 2010, right. Um, and it came at a time... Well, healthcare reform has been talked about for a long time. And people have sort of agreed that it was necessary, but there was a lot of debate on how it would work, what it would look like, and, you know, you got the right side that says healthcare should be run by free markets and companies can sort of do whatever they want, and then you have the other side, which is um, sort of an ethical debate that says, like, healthcare is a right and, you know, it should be something that we don't really... We shouldn't have to fight for, you know? It's just something that everyone should have automatically. And that the government should, should potentially should provide. provide it and maybe cover all of the associated costs, which would be right. a single-payer healthcare system, which is common in other developed Western countries. Right. I'm not going to list off which ones. No. So most, I mean, most of them, as far as I understand. Yeah. Yeah. But Obamacare is neither of those things, really. It's yeah. sort of in the middle. Um, but before Obamacare, there were about 48 million people uninsured in this country, which is a lot of people. And insurance usually came from employer, be, uh, came from having an employer that offered you that benefit. If you didn't have that, you know, the cost was pretty prohibitive. And Sure. You know, I think that... A lot of people were employed, or not unemployed, but I think a lot of people were employed in situations where they just didn't receive benefits. Mm-hmm. And employers are still the largest uh, 
uh, providers of healthcare, mm-hmm. um, even after Obamacare. So that didn't change it, but it was just a matter of uh, there's a, there's a huge gap, you know, of uninsured people, and um, it's just you know you want everyone to have access to healthcare. That that was the goal. So there were a lot of pieces. And like we said, it's pretty complicated. Um, but I think the the ultimate goal is to get all those people insured, and it does that. It will it try to do that in a number of ways. Yeah, and generally, it's you know still maintaining the current system, the employer yeah driven healthcare system. It's still working with the private insurance companies. Um, so it's implemented in a way that it's not actually revamping the entire system it's sort of just just revising it or you know yeah changing what we had so that hopefully more people could be insured and more people could use the system that existed without extreme disruption which is you know generally what happens yeah, and that's generally what happens in public health. Yeah. Just try to use what we have and try to improve yeah. it. I mean, the, but it's not the ideal. Right. And, you know, they're, they're, initially there was all of that, those issues with, like, the technological issues with, which has happened with all kinds of policies and implemented systems like that. But, you know, I think that was, like, what stuck out and made the first impressions for a lot of people. Um, yeah. But since then, you know, it's been easily adopted, I think. But a lot of people are not happy with it. Right. Well, yeah, I can get yeah. into why. Sure. So how about the nuts and bolts of the ACA? What does the law say? So uh, it kind of can be broken up into eight main pieces, I would say, and we can go through them uh, pretty quickly, I think. So we'll start with... Um, uh, sort of uh, establishing the industry standards. So people could stay on their parents' insurance until the age of 25, which um, allowed more younger people to be insured. I think the 18 to 25-year-old age group was one of the higher uninsured yeah. demographic groups. Right. Um, before which, you know, doesn't clearly doesn't make any sense. And I think that was a good driver for getting this legislation through initially because mm-hmm. you don't there's no reason why young healthy individuals should be making up a large percentage of the uninsured right. population right and we'll as we we'll, as we'll see as we go through this that getting healthy people insured is really important right um because intuitively you're like oh i'm healthy i don't need insurance but in order for this system to work it's imperative that healthy people and everyone else like everybody needs to be covered otherwise it won't work so um insurance companies could no longer drop people if they got sick which i'm for that was very common too (laughs) yeah somehow that was common it's um terrible what as soon as you need something you can't have it right ridiculous and um Insurance companies can no longer uh, reject people for pre-existing conditions, which was also very common. Yeah, it was crazy, the amount of... 
I mean, pregnancy was considered a pre-existing condition. Yeah. Other things that are, it doesn't make any sense. Right. But as we said, everybody's got to be in the pool right now. So everybody's in. Can't be rejected. So second, um, beyond industry standards, you have the patient guarantees. So the ACA established um, essential benefits that um, every insurance plan had to provide. And there have been issues with enforcement of those, but in um, on paper, it's, it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. So um, there are certain essential benefits that um, people could, like for instance, preventive uh, testing or screenings or um, uh, mental health visits, things like that, which were no, which were not necessarily covered in the past. People could go in, and I think that most of them or all of them didn't have a copay associated with them, so that people were not. There were very few obstacles for um, getting in the way of people receiving these essential benefits, which is which is interesting and and great. Um, and there are no caps on long-term care. So, if for instance you had a disease where you needed repeated visits, cancer patient, you needed repeated visits for chemo or something like that. Um, in the past, insurance companies would say, well, we'll cover you up to this point, and then you're on your own, but that was not allowed. Um, so that is an awesome patient guarantee. Um, and then, so the next piece is the individual mandate, which I think everybody kind of knows about. Um, so that says that everyone has to buy insurance, simply. Um, there's no, like enforcement that says that nobody's going to come knocking on your door and saying like you have to buy this or you're going to jail it's not like that um but what they did was so this was found constitutional um because you can't force somebody to buy something but you can make the alternatives very unappealing like a tax yeah so there's a tax if you don't buy insurance you get an increasing tax which i think starts like pretty low like maybe a hundred bucks or less, and then over time, you have to pay an increased tax because you're not putting money into the the insurance pool as a healthy person or whatever person. It doesn't really even matter if you're not buying insurance. Right. Then you need to you have to pay. You have to pay into the system because that's how it works. Um, and also, um, going along with the individual mandate, people would be provided government subsidies. Um, because if you're demanding that someone buy something, um, they and that that includes you know people in the lower class and upper class. So obviously, it's going to be difficult for certain people to afford it. So the government is going to, based on your income and your wealth, uh, provide um, some subsidies and help you pay for. And the idea is that they'd be substantial you know they cover yeah. a substantial portion of it i mean i don't it's not something i had experience with personally but i think the idea was that the actual cost that individuals would have to pay depending on your income could be could be more affordable for everybody and it would remove that barrier of people mm-hmm. not being able to afford decent coverage i think there were lots of plans in the past that were you know were very low cost but had ridiculous deductibles or different things that were 
were actually really screwing people over. They just didn't realize it until they actually had to use their insurance. But the cost seemed really low in terms of your monthly or in upfront contributions. Right. But the subsidies are definitely a point of contention because that means that the rich people are basically giving to poor people and right they don't like that right and so for the rest of us i mean we can talk about that more but i guess i don't mean to say the rest of us um it's kind of (laughs) but i get i get subsidies but for people that don't that don't get subsidies or i guess in general you know the costs overall have increased yes yes but so one of the main arguments against the uh, obamacare is that costs are increasing but um, and we don't need to get too far into that, but um, if you look at the research um, or the data, the costs were increasing before right. Obamacare right. was enacted. So it's not to blame necessarily for that. And I think they're they're increasing less quickly now after Obamacare. So right. depending on how you want to look at it, you're actually, there's actually... It's actually saving people money. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that argument doesn't necessarily hold any water. Um, But moving on. So the next piece of the ACA is uh, these healthcare exchanges. So these online exchanges that are state-run that sort of appeal to the free market um, idea, which is like, there's no federal uh, federal bureaucracy running the the market. It's they're smaller state run um, exchanges, which I think a lot of people probably have experience with now. I, I I do personally, and it's just like you know you can go online for your state, and you're you're shown a, a bunch of options, and you and you pick one. Well, yeah, and the states had the option of setting that up themselves, but if they didn't, the federal government would step in and right set something up. And I don't. Do you remember? Do you know what the numbers are of the states that actually? I think it was the same twenty six that did not want to expand Medicare mm-hmm. or Medicaid, rather. I assume. Yeah, or probably many, many of those. So more little half. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um. We talked about subsidies. I think that is its own piece, but uh, not much more to say about that. Medicaid and then expansion. Medicaid expansion, which we just alluded to. Uh, that was a big part of the ACA, but that part was... Um, it would have... I think that piece alone would have helped insure most of the, the remaining 48 million uninsured people, but... Um, many states rejected the expansion plan and I think they sued the president. I think 26 states sued the president and the Supreme Court um, ruled that that part of the ACA was unconstitutional. Mm -hmm. So the Medicaid expansion didn't happen and I think people blame Obamacare. People say that it didn't work because so many people are still left uninsured, but that's because it was not implemented correctly. Right. And I, there's a really awesome uh, episode of uh, 
whatever John Oliver's show is called, Last Week Tonight, where he talks about Medicaid expansion, and it's just like, it's unbelievable the fact that, you know, people, states and governments would not accept all the, like, federal aid that was going to these states to expand Medicaid and, like, get all these people insured. It was just, like, extremely... you watch it and you'd be in disbelief that it just didn't happen. It's it's unbelievable. Um, But, so that's why the Medicaid gap exists now, is because you get Medicaid, which is a state-run program, and every every state does Medicaid differently. So depending on what state you're in, people at a certain level of income and below can be covered by Medicaid, and then above that level, um, they may not, even with subsidies, be able to afford um, these plans that are on these exchanges. So you have this gap between people on Medicaid and then people that can afford these insurance plans. So those are the people left uninsured currently. Right. Um, yeah. And then so some... Lesser known pieces of the ACA, I guess, at least to me. There's a Medicare payment, so um, I don't even know if I fully understand this one. So it's sort of like managed care for Medicare, which is Medicare is a federally run insurance program for people 65 and older and also people with certain other um, conditions. So basically it's... uh, instead of paying per, um, what do you call it? Like pay per treatment or, or I forget what the, the opposite of, basically if you go in for a procedure, like you get insurance money for that particular procedure. But instead of doing that, it's, um, every patient or every, um, hospital or provider gets a certain amount of money and they have to figure out how to spend that money in the most cost-effective way and deliver the best service so that um, um, that person is is covered and and receives the best care mm-hmm. with for the least money I right. guess so it's a it's a money saving uh, tool um, but yeah I don't I don't fully understand that piece I don't know if you have more on it no no i mean just in general you know one of the arguments for the affordable care act being effective is that the hospital uncompensated care costs were a major were really really high and that's one of the things that suppose according to hhs that's been reduced by 7.4 billion dollars yeah the amount of uncompensated care costs wow so I think it's just a tactic to get people to actually um, think about the care that they're delivering rather than just say, oh, you have this. Okay, let's go through these 15 things that right. on this checklist. Right. Yeah. And then, um, so the last piece is the employer mandate. It says that uh, any business owner with 50 employees or more has to provide a health insurance option and also that they will be fined if their employees seek insurance elsewhere because that sort of implies that 
they're not being paid enough to afford their plan. So, um, yeah, small business owners are getting fined. And I think large business owners probably too. Yep. But, um, yeah. Do you have anything more? No, I think those are, those are all the basic components. So it's, you know, covers a broad range of things from individuals to employers to states and the federal government. Right. In general, you know, I think that a lot of the issues that people raised and concerns initially, you know, haven't actually come true. You know, I think the healthcare system financially is still doing fine. You know, depending on who you ask, it's actually doing better than it has been and is been continuing to do better um and you know somehow the insurance companies don't seem to be suffering as much as they thought that they would be either which may not be a good thing but yeah um you know in order to in order to you know keep reforming things i think it in a lot of ways it was just seen as like a a start that you know, would not be too disruptive, but would get rid of some of the things in the past that just shouldn't have been the case in a oh, Western yeah. democracy, where you have such a large group of uninsured people, and for the people that are insured, you know, the policies and the companies that were offering them, you know, were just operating very unethically. Yeah. Yeah, very unethically. And I, I don't think we mentioned that um, there's still a few things that insurance companies can um, underwrite on. So we said the pre-existing conditions thing is out and um, dropping sick people is out. But they are still allowed. And I know a lot of people that have uh, probably sought insurance through the healthcare marketplace are familiar with this, but they ask you about... Um, I think it was it's four things, right? I know tobacco smoke is like the main one that, mm-hmm. that drives up price. So they're allowed to um, charge you more uh, for smoking still. Um, and then I think it is what geographical location and family size. Something like that, yeah. I don't really remember these things, but smoking is definitely the big one because I have friends that are smokers and they were just like yeah my I put like I saw non-smoking then I put smoking and it's like premiums went up Mm -hmm. pretty much doubled and I I hope that we all see the logic in that I know that it probably sucks for a lot of people but smoking contributes to so much illness that you know maybe those people should pay a little bit more I, I don't know well I mean if it's according to the current system they should be you know whether you think that it's a yeah whether you think that you know people sicker people should be paying more of the cost or um you know I think that it's a fine it becomes a a controversial area when you ask people to pay more or less based on their personal decisions but I think that Mm -hmm. you know cigarette smoking I mean I've heard some discussion about you know using like BMI or obesity to determine some of that stuff. And, you know, there's a fine line between like discrimination and right. 
but at the same time, you know, people's, since it is like a shared pool of money, you know, people that are, you want to incentivize people to make good choices that are costing everybody else less if we're all paying right for everyone you know each other's health right and that's the idea of the pool and that's why we said that it's important that healthy people are in that pool as well because insurance companies are not going to be viable businesses if it's only sick people in there because they're going to put the money in and they're going to need probably more than they put in right so there's going to be no money left to pay for any of this stuff and might as well not have insurance at that point. But if you have healthy people paying into a larger pool, if everyone's paying a small, small-ish amount into this large pool, then a small portion of those people are going to need money to pay out for their health care costs. And so we're essentially all contributing to the costs of all health care in the country right. when you think about it. So... Um, I mean, I, I agree with that logic. I think it's important to incentivize people to make healthier decisions, especially when it's sort of like socialized in that way. And it's not, it may be, I mean, it may not even be incentivizing people. It may be, you know, punishing people more, but that, I mean, money's a big driver. And if people are like, well, I can, I can save a hundred dollars a month if I don't smoke plus not spend however much money I'm spending on cigarettes, then that might that might do it, you right. know, if nothing else. Yeah, it's a stick tactic more than that. I mean, I don't like having to pay for some stuff. Right, right. You know, and having to cover other people's costs because they're... Yeah, I'd rather spend my money on... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Something better. But anyway, well, you want me to go first this time? Yeah, you go first. What's right. your what's your ounce of prevention? My ounce of prevention uh, is, you know, I think there are some things worth spending money on, and some things worth putting a fight up about. Like people always complain about spending so much money on food and I'm just like you know what it's okay if you spend money on food like you need food food's important it shouldn't just, be where you're cutting right that's just like shut up and pay for some some good food and I think in this case at least for this moment that we're in in healthcare in this country I think people should do their best to like just shut up and pay into the system so that we can improve it <laughs> All right. I mean, I don't think fighting it is going is I don't think repealing Obamacare is the move. I think that we need to do it and use that as a springboard to improve the healthcare system rather than start over. I may disagree with this in 5 minutes. <laughs> All right. All right, what's yours? That's a good one. Um I guess in this theme, I would say, you know, since we all do have insurance now and we have to, you know, maybe pay attention to what preventative services are offered through your 
plan and, you know, try to take advantage of them. I think a lot of things like annual physicals and, you know, different preventative services are, I think there's, on a lot of plans, they're, you know, mm -hmm. have almost no cost. Mm -hmm. So, you know, things that people may not have done in the past because they had only, like, catastrophic insurance or, on, um, you know, don't only do things when you get sick. Preventative uh, yeah. care, you know, that's something I believe is, you know, neglected in our healthcare system overall. But on an individual level, you know, if you have insurance and, you know, you take advantage of the preventative services, don't just wait until something's wrong. Yep. I agree with that. All right. Proactive, not reactive. All right. Let's get out of here. <laughs> Let us know. Comments. Questions, criticisms, things we did right, things we did wrong. Want to see a picture of us with, with Obama? <laughs> we'll send it to you. Anything else you want to say? No, I don't think so. All right, signing off. ACA. Found a cure. Found it out.